0: Up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceitful philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of deity. "...lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In him you were circumcised, in putting off the sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ." having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive in Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the written code with its regulations That was against us and that stood opposed to us he took it away nailing it to the cross and having disarmed the powers and authorities he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Such a person goes to great detail about what he has seen and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with, an, with idle notions. He has lost connection with the head, from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ, the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have the appearance of wisdom, but their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence.
1: If you've been with us for the last few weeks, you know that we've been working through this letter that Paul wrote to the Christians in the church in Colossae and our theme has been living in a post-Christian world. During the week I heard on the radio a debate about whether the Lord's Prayer should be said in Parliament and I know that this has been happening for ages. It was an interesting debate though. Darren Hinch, um, a self-confessed atheist, and member of parliament said well why don't we pray for um, Buddhist prayers and Hindu prayers and what about the atheists why do we have to actually put up with this and it's a good question it's a good question the other person who was on this um, panel was our archbishop and um, Richard Glover the radio announcer said to him why do we pray this prayer and he just said simply because the people who wrote the constitution of our nation were Christians may may not be so today and we may have to take whatever changes come but at least he had the chance to say that those who established um, our, our country's constitution were actually based on Christian principles so what do we do today when thing when we're in a, a post-christian world how do we actually uh, live? What are the principles we live by? And some people think that the Bible is, is like an instruction book and that you should be able to kind of go through the index and find you know, materialism, what to do in the face of materialism or secularism or atheism. But the Bible is not, it's not like that. It's not a kind of textbook to help us to find out answers to how we should live in each and every different situation. It's a more personal book. It's made up of letters to groups and to individuals. And we've been looking at this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. Their context uh, is not the same as our context. But as we understand some of the things that the Apostle Paul had to say to them about living in the first century Roman world in Colossae, And being a Christian in that context, we can learn how we uh, can apply that in various areas of our Christian life because Jesus Christ is the same and uh, human beings are the same. So we have great confidence as we look at this letter that God is going to actually encourage us and speak to us. So let me pray. God our Father, we confess that we are in a world that is often uh, against us we are perplexed and uh, sometimes even uh, ridiculed or put down but Lord we pray that as we read your word that you will strengthen our faith that you will help us to continue our lives in Jesus Christ for his glory and for his honour amen so if you've got your bibles there we come to Um, the centre of the letter really in chapter 2 verses 6 and 7 where the Apostle Paul writes to these uh, new Christians, so then just as you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Just as the believers in Colossae heard the message of Jesus and made Jesus Christ their Lord, they came to faith in Christ, just as they've done that, the Apostle Paul says, you need to continue to live your lives in in Christ. So there is no thinking that, yes, I've become a Christian and and Jesus is my saviour, and now I move on to live the Christian life and to, to other things. The Apostle Paul says, for the Colossians and for us as well, that we need to continue to live our lives in the faith of Jesus. And he gives a little summary of uh, the faith that the Colossians have. And remember, Paul hadn't personally been to Colossae. He didn't uh, know many members of this church, but his friend Epaphras had uh, come from Paul and gone back to his hometown of Colossae and uh, preached the gospel And started the new church. So, Paul says in verse 13, um, a summary of what they received He says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to, to the cross. Notice how Paul includes himself in this. He has forgiven all our sins, having cancelled the charge of the legal indebtedness that we have. So this is how they they came to Christian faith and this is how all people come to Christian faith, isn't it? To recognise that you are spiritually dead in in your sins and that we need to be made alive in Christ. It is the work of Jesus Christ that brings life and salvation. It's not what we do, it is Christ who works within us. And he has done this by dealing with our sin through his death on the cross. So Jesus Christ is Lord. Everybody here I hope has had the experience of knowing that Jesus Christ is Lord. Has the uh, remembrance of their faith in Christ, uh, which is the basis of our Christian faith. I remember this reality um, as an 18-year-old in my bedroom in um, my family house in Kalani Heights on a Sunday night after church where I kneeled and prayed a prayer to, let, to ask Jesus to be the Lord of my life. That was the beginning of my adult journey of faith. And since then, I have attempted to live it out. Uh, Each day has its own temptations. And some of the most difficult days have been when people who I went to youth fellowship with or or other Christian groups, I, I find out that they are no longer calling themselves Christian. Continue to live your life in him, is what Paul says. We have made Jesus Lord, but we must continue. It's like a daily decision, like building a, a, a house or, or building a church building. One brick on top of another brick on top of another brick. There are no shortcuts and we have to keep at it and uh, make that conscious decision to live our lives in Christ Jesus. And that is what Paul is encouraging the Colossians to do because they were being enticed to move away from Christ to to other things. So the temptations and distractions of the Colossian Christians uh, might be completely different to our temptations and distractions but nonetheless, Satan is the one who wants to uh, pull us away from Christ. So after Paul says... um, keep Jesus Christ as Lord he says in verse 8 see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the element elemental spiritual forces of, of this world rather than Christ see there is a threat to Christian faith in every age in every context it's a serious threat someone is trying to capture our allegiance from Christ and turn that to something else that is satan's ploy in any culture in any time to take those who have allegiance to christ and to strip that allegiance and replace it with something else that sounds better that sounds powerful um the apostle paul says it's the elementary forces of this world it's it, it is spiritual forces and um People saying, you need to have this experience or that experience. You need to go further. It's great that you're a follower of Jesus, but you need to go further. And we all are susceptible, aren't we, to human tradition and man-made rules. In Colossae, these rules and traditions involved legalistic observance of special um, spiritual days, holy days and rituals what they eat or drink. Uh, Paul says, let no one judge you according to these things, according to what you eat or drink or according to religious festivals, new moon celebrations or a Sabbath. People who say, don't touch that, don't drink that, don't eat that. Paul says, don't be uh, taken in by this. It is Satan who is behind all of this, all of these um, principles or or uh, spiritual forces, that Satan is behind all of this and he wants us to think that we need to move on to the next thing to add to, to our faith in Christ. And it is very clear in Paul's writings that he says there is nothing outside of Christ that we can receive of God. He says in verse 9 and 10, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. You see that? This idea of fullness is um, a word that the Colossians were being tempted with. You, You might have accepted Jesus Christ but do you have the fullness of your salvation? Have you missed out? Do you worship angels have you had great visions of angels well if you haven't you haven't reached the fullness of christ are you obeying these certain laws and rules are you keeping uh, a a lot of this has got to do with the with with old testament uh, food and and um, special days and that kind of stuff are you are you keeping those things Because yes, Jesus is good, but you must actually observe these things as well in order to know the fullness of God. And with all that going on, Paul says that Jesus is fully God. There is nothing that you can receive of God outside of Jesus. It's such a simple statement, isn't it? But how profound is that? There is nothing that you can receive of God outside of Jesus Christ. Jesus is Lord and in him is all the fullness. You don't get extra bits from outside. In Jesus is the whole fullness of God. And because we live in him, as we uh, heard from Jimmy last week, because we are in Christ, we also have this fullness. We don't need extra uh, trimmings and trappings. We don't need to to have this legalistic approach because Jesus is greater in power and authority than all of these religious um, activities, all these spiritual powers, all these special traditions, all these superstitions. You see, that was the, the, the world that the Colossians lived in. Everything, everything in their daily life had some kind of connection with these elemental elementary powers and spirits they're called. What does that mean? Well, it just means kind of whatever is in, uh, in charge or, or whatever powers and authorities are in place, spiritual and human. The Colossians are turning to other sources to gain their authority, but Jesus is the one who has power and authority and he has exercised this through his death on the cross. Now Paul gives us a picture here. He says that, that Jesus hasn't just um, defeated these powers and principalities. He has actually uh, made, he has triumphed over them and made a spectacle of them. In a, a, a picture that um, the Roman world knew very well. He has led them in a triumphal procession so, in, in Roman history or Roman culture, a conquering general would march back to Rome through the cities on the way. And as he came to the city, it was like a ticker tape parade. And the general would go forward with, uh, you know, mounted on his horse or chariot or whatever. And then, then the, the uh, army, the military who were on horseback. And then after them, the foot soldiers. And then after them, came the spoils of war. It might be, you know, uh, collections of of precious metals and all sorts of things. It was certainly also people who were captured as slaves and any of the kings who were conquered were usually right at the end. And this was a humiliation for all of those who were conquered. But it was a great sign of of the power of Rome and the honour of the Roman general. Paul says, Jesus has led this kind of triumphal procession. Not that he's marched around Asia Minor, but that in the spiritual realms Jesus has not just conquered these powers, everyone can see Jesus has humiliated and defeated all of these spiritual powers. So why on earth would you turn back to follow their ways and to want to be under their authority now we say that and that sounds pretty you know why would you want to do that but human nature as it is we're always tempted aren't we to look for something else you really need to give up that sad little anglican church the traditions of of past generations of praying prayers and things like that, you need if you want to be a f- really a fully spiritual and fully alive, then you need to come to our church, because it has great things that are, that are attracting people of our generation. It has uh, people speaking in tongues or miracles, or you know other other wonders and things there is nothing wrong with that what is wrong with it is when someone says unless you do, unless you come to this church you're not a real Christian God will do what God will do in miracles and wonders and spiritual gifts and whatever but when someone says you're not a, a you, know, you, haven't, you haven't fully experienced all of Christian faith because you, you are not part of my church and it, it, it goes on from there doesn't it you're not a real Christian un- unless you have had some experience of, of um, spiritual things like worshipping angels, as, as Paul mentioned in, in um, Colossi, of great visions. Again, not saying that God doesn't give great visions, but when you say you have to have these to actually be a Christian, to be the fullness in Christ, you call yourself a Christian and you you read that book or you eat that food or you don't tell me you drink alcohol and you dance. You know, you can't do that and be a Christian. You need to give. died and gone to heaven Uh,
2: dancing and drinking
1: drinking. thanks Maddie. And, and some of the other arguments that we hear you're a Christian and you don't call God by his proper name how can you be a Christian if you don't call God Jehovah you need to leave that church and experience the fullness of God as Jehovah in our church or you don't actually fast and pray how can you say that you have a deep relationship with God if you don't fast and pray you need to you know move on to this or you or you'll miss out on the fullness of, of what there is to offer in Christ and You know, you can add whatever the temptation is in your life or whatever you might have heard someone say to you about what real Christianity is. But the truth is, if you try and add something to Christ to receive this fullness, you end up subtracting from Christ because you end up with less, not more. All that we have from God, we receive through Jesus Christ. And if we try and add anything to that, it actually moves us further away from, from the grace of Jesus and the lordship of Jesus. So the issue in Colossae was circumcision. Quite a bit about circumcision written here. I don't know whether that's an issue for you. It probably is not. But again, look at the principle. You see, these people have become Christians from a pagan background and there were some who'd come from a Christian background. sorry from an old testament background and the pagans were saying well we've got no history of of christian faith or of, of faith in god the jews have got all this history of faith in god so it doesn't have to be jewish pressure it's the pagans themselves saying we'd like to have some history and connection with the people of god so maybe if we get circumcised then we identify fully with the people of god See for us, maybe if I do something special I might be fully recognised as a member of the people of God. What good work do I need to do? What law or tradition do I need to keep to prove that I am part of the people of God? You see, it's very subtle and we have this great propensity of, of, of just making laws and rules because then we, can, then we know, if you just do this you know. But, but doing that is, is not going to, to make us uh, any more full in our relationship with Christ. So this new version of Christianity has, has moved on, if you like, from the Gospel to add other things. And that is uh, where we live as well. There is a temptation for us to do that. So how does um, Paul advise us to... Uh, to avoid this and to move on he says that we need to make sure that we continue to live in Christ as we, as we have uh, received him as Lord but towards the end of the chapter there in verse 23 there's, um, there's a paragraph which really uh, sums this up so well he says since you have died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world why as though you still belong to this world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not touch, do not taste. These rules, which have to do with things that are destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. These things may appear to be attractive. They may sound wise to human minds, but they lack value because they're just man-made traditions that they have been fulfilled. These Old Testament traditions have been fulfilled in Christ. They're just a shadow. And, And they actually... Do nothing to restrain sin, to restrain sensual indulgence. So this is the way forward. (coughs) Just as you've received Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live your life in him, rooted and built up in Christ. The image of roots that go deep into Jesus Christ and our relationship with him. Built up uh, in him, strengthened in the faith that you were taught strengthened in the gospel message that we've already heard that Epaphras brought to the people in Colossae and whoever has brought that gospel message to you we've read the the clear message of the forgiveness of sins and the lordship of Jesus rooted and built up in him strengthened in the faith as you are taught and overflowing with thankfulness that's an interesting way isn't it for Paul to to express the reality of our Christian life overflowing with thankfulness what do you notice about all these people who tell you that you have to do something else to become a Christian, you need to keep this rule or that rule or whatever? They are not usually very thankful because if we think that we've got something to do that adds to what Jesus has done, then we, we just become puffed up. But if we know that we have nothing and that everything comes to us from Jesus, we overflow with thankfulness because it is, of, it is all of Christ it is all of God's grace so how thankful are you? are we determined to keep Jesus Christ as Lord to continue to live our lives in him? let me pray God our Father even uh, as we pray, we know there will be temptations that come to us to do something else to prove that we are Christians or to try and fit into to, uh, some system or whatever in our world today. Lord, give us uh, the wisdom of Christ. Give us the remembrance of the faith that we have received when we made Jesus the Lord of our lives. And as we continue to live in him, Lord, help us to be rooted and built up and strengthened in our faith and overflowing with thankfulness so the world may see your grace and your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
2: We're just going to respond to that word with a song. So would you like to stand? (laughs) (laughs) Who am I that the highest king would welcome? was lost but he brought me in all his love for me all his love for me who the sun sets free oh he's free indeed i'm a child of god yes i am free at last he has ransomed me his grace runs deep while i was a slave to sin jesus died for me yes he died for me who the sun sets free always free indeed i'm a child of god yes i am My father's house, there's a place for me, I'm a child of God, yes I am, I am chosen, not forsaken, I am who you say I am, you are for me, not again. Not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you. Chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am who you say I am. Yes, I am who you say I am. Who the sun sets free, always free indeed. I'm a child.